Hey y'all, it's your girl Michelle and Nate, and you're tuned into Christ Over Culture, the podcast for Christian millennials. Happy Wednesday! Today's episode is brought to you by One Feisty Chef Catering and Private Chef Services in Houston, Texas. Signature dishes include Southern cuisines like chicken and red velvet waffles, shrimp and grits, and more from founder and executive chef, Chef Andremika Scott. Chef Andre is a native of Houston, Texas, with Louisiana influences. She has mastered the art of creative and innovative presentations and is known for providing the very best in catering and event planning services for private, social, and corporate clients. Visit her on Instagram at OneFeistyChef and on her website at OneFeistyChef.com to learn more. Now, let's get into the episode. Today, we're going to be having a very interesting conversation. And I think about money and how that can have stress on our mental health, as well as a lot of other things that are going on in our society. And July is actually Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. And I'm so excited because I have a licensed clinical therapist, Ms. Monica Jackson of IWIN Counseling, here today to share with us more information about Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, where we can get some information, and just a little bit about what she does and how we can have a healthy mind state and mental health state as we're going through different ups and downs in life. So, Monica, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm really excited about today. Yeah, me too. So, Monica, please tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and a bit about IWIN Counseling. Okay. My name is Monica E. Jackson. I'm a licensed professional counselor, certified rehabilitation counselor, and I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Um, I attended Diller University in New Orleans. For undergrad, went to Southern University of Baton Rouge um, for grad school, and I've pretty much been here in Houston since 2007. 2015 is when I started IWIN Counseling Services, um, which is a partial private practice in the Houston area um, and um, where I see individuals and group therapy um, for mental health and also just any um, any everyday issue that you may have and need someone to listen um, and talk to. So that's what I pretty much do. You know, I win. I tell everyone I win is the place uh, where winning is not the end result, but it's really the courage to begin. And I'm so glad you have me here today because it's really time for us to start beginning to talk about um, mental health in the uh, minority communities. Absolutely. And I uh, met you at the Refresher Conference yes, at Windsor yes. Village back in February. So this is just a testament, too, to how important it is to go to these conferences and yes. go to places where you, especially as leaders, because I know a lot of you guys who listen to my podcast, you hold leadership roles in your churches, in your communities, right. um, and, and at work. And it's important to pour back into yourself. And so I remember being at the Refresher Conference and sitting in the uh, seats uh, during the mental health panel, and that's where I heard you, and now that has brought us here today. 
So I've been refreshed ever since the refresher conference. It was an awesome experience. It was. It was. Yeah. So um, of course that that's kind of a background, but also HBCU love since yes. I went to Spelman and yes. Dillard, and also HBCU. Midwest. Yeah, yes. love since I'm from St. Louis in Detroit. So yes. we're we're uh, we're family today. Yes, we really are. <laughs> really are. So uh, for my first question, Monica, because you got to help us out now. You have the the background, the training, the business. What is National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month and why is it so important? Okay. So yeah, National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month started in 2018. And so it basically started um, because they wanted to bring awareness um, to the lack of treatment that um, minorities are actually um, having the um, ability to receive as it relates to mental health. And so it wanted to bring um, the awareness to the fact that um, we are experiencing um, mental health challenges, but there's some disparities um, when it comes to obtaining access to, to services. And so um, I really would like to encourage everyone um, during this month um, to um, go to NAMI.org. And so NAMI is the National Alliance of Mental Illness. And they actually have a three-part series on there. um, And it's called Strength Over Silence. Wow. And they have three different videos and um, of minorities talking about their strength um, that they have um, since they have no longer been silent um, about the fact that they cope with mental um, health issues. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's really what the purpose of this month is about, um, to have strength over silence. You know, we struggle so often um, because we keep silent about um, the issues as it relates to mental health. And um, I just wanted to say um, that it's so important to stop being silent. Um, Since 1995, the U.S. Surgeon General uh, reports that the suicide rates for African Americans has increased by 233% since 1995. Say that again. The suicide rates for African Americans have increased 233% since 2000 I mean since 1995 and so that's in comparison to um, um, Caucasian Americans um, which is 120 percent but ours has increased by 233 percent since um, since 1995 and so it's really time for us to stop struggling in silence it's really time for us to speak out um, about what we're experiencing and finding ways to talk about those issues that we're having. Yeah. So um, do they say what is causing that humongous spike in suicides? You know, um, it could be a lot of different things. You know, um, they they discuss, um, you know, they often um, compare African-Americans' issues to poverty and things of that sort. But I think it has, I think it's a, it's a lot of things that keep us silent about our issues. It's our pride. It's our, um, our inability to access the necessary services. And this, I think, that they really didn't go deep into why, but I know one of the major things is they talk about the poverty and things that happen within our communities. Wow. 
That's an alarming number. I didn't know that. <clears throat> yeah, it, it really is an alarming number. Yeah, so I'm going to even dive deeper into that and do some research. And I encourage um, listeners to as well. Um, and when you mentioned Strength Over Silence in that three-part series on the NAMI website, I'm familiar with the organization and the great work that they do. Right. Um, and then also I, it made me think about an event that my friend is hosting called Dead the Silence. Oh. And so when you mentioned that, it just like spoke to me, you know, how those are so, so much so similar because his platform is all about literally speaking up, talking about this. And he actually um, lost his sister to suicide. And so he's now using um, his platform to bring awareness to this issue and to talk about it and to death the silence. So strength over silence. I'm glad that you brought that up. And um, I encourage anyone who's interested to look into that more. Yeah, the really, really good three-part series. They're not really long. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's free. And it's free. You can just go to NAMI.org. Um, and it talks about um, three different topics, three different people um, in the minority community who decided to um, to um, talk about the issues that they've been dealing with. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So I mentioned Dead to Silence, but Monica, what are some ways and what can we do to bring awareness to this National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month as individuals? You know, I think um, one of the major um, issues that we have in this community is related to the stigma that is associated with mental health. You know, no one wants to be labeled, you know, that quote unquote crazy. Or we think that going to therapy actually means we have a mental health issue. And I try to tell people and educate people, you know, that mental um, health counseling is for the everyday person who has everyday life issues. And it doesn't mean that you've been diagnosed with a mental health issue. Um, Sometimes it's best to come out and talk about these things before we allow it to progress into a situation where we're having issues with um, mental health. And so I think the main thing that we need to do is, is stop putting that huge stigma on mental health. Um, Sometimes I go to these events where um, I set up tables for health fairs and um, people would just pass by my table. Or if they pass by, if they actually stop, it's like, oh, I'm getting this for so-and-so. I'm going to get this for my friend. And, you know, when it's really all said and done, we um, we should not be afraid to say, hey, I'm having these issues and um, I need to talk to someone. And I I think that's our major issue, our pride, our fear. I've had people um, come to my office. They have their sunglasses on. They ball cap down. They don't want any, they don't want to sit in the waiting room for longer than two minutes because they don't want anybody to know they're there. And there's nothing wrong, you know, with seeking services or seeking help. There's strength in seeking services and strength um, seeking help. And I think that's. Um, one of the major things we need to do. We need to stop suffering in silence, and we really need to not be afraid to step out there and say, hey, I need to talk to somebody. Yeah. You know, I remember the first time I saw a counselor, I was in grad school. Okay. So I think I was in my first or second year, and there was just like a lot of pressures on me at the time. I think uh, work-wise, because I worked two jobs in grad school, going through grad school, um, the transition from Spelman to Houston was hard because the culture of the schools were just so very different. Yeah. Um, the love and kind of this community that you get 
at a HBCU, for example, or a smaller private university is different from when you go to a state or bigger university. Right. And that's not just saying, I sh- I'm not uh, painting a, a broad brush across that, but I'm going to say right. that was my experience was transitioning from an environment like that to a much more like commuter like environment was very dif- difficult for me. And so I remember saying like, I need help. Like I need help adapting and adjusting to this because I can't do it on my own. I remember feeling really isolated and not wanting to talk to anyone and just not feeling myself. So I remember the first time I did that and I was nervous. I was embarrassed. I was like, is something wrong with me? And really like going through those counseling sessions really helped me to manage everything that was going on in my life in a healthy way. Sometimes we just need people to listen to us. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes I have clients that come in and all they want to do is talk. All they want to do is tell me the updates that's going on in their life Mm -hmm. and for me to sit there and listen and to encourage them. And so sometimes we need that listening ear, that Mm -hmm. unbiased, um, you know, and I think that's where it comes at. That's where the best part of therapy is. It's not your family Mm -hmm. who's going to give you um, their personal opinions or give you their opinions based on what they see fit for your life. Um, But it's an unbiased opinion. um, And you sit there and we sit and we listen and you talk. And I think it's just that place um, where you can get everything out. Yeah. You know, say what you want to say and Mm -hmm. feel safe, a safe place, a safe haven. Yeah. And that's definitely what it was for me. I was like, I think... It came at such a critical time. Yeah. I felt like I needed that listening ear. I think about the second time I went to counseling, and it was while I was a working professional in corporate. And it was something similar, but it was also kind of personal because there were some things that I wanted to achieve in life. For example, go to law school, and I hadn't achieved it yet, and I was really struggling. Like, okay, I'm working in this job. I have a great job, a great team like that I'm working with you know why am I still feeling empty and so um I was having like those same like doubts and fears and confusion and not feeling like myself and once again being isolated being suffering in silence and I remember going there and like you mentioned you know you're not always is there's not always a diagnosis but being able to go and get help can you don't self-diagnose yourself at that point like when you go to a professional and so I remember going and she it was for me it was pretty much like helping me sort things out she was like and I'm like okay am I diagnosed with something is something wrong with me and she said no you just need to do x y and z Mm -hmm. like think about too what you you really want not what your parents want and so that was my personal experience that's not everybody's experience which is why we can't self-diagnose right because we don't know half the time we 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 don't know um you know so many people talk about how um they feel depressed and they don't understand Mm -hmm. um the criteria that it takes to be clinically depressed. Yeah. Or, you know, we, we're so quick to Google and diagnose ourselves with mm-hmm. things. And um, oftentimes we, we're really not coping with a clinical diagnosis. Mm-hmm. We're just having some issues with adjustment to mm-hmm. um, whatever life circumstances is coming our way. Yeah, and that's what exactly. I was have, having feelings of depression, like even thoughts of suicide at that time. And... Even today, I think this is probably the first time I've even said it on the podcast, you know, being able to overcome that was just just so huge for me. So I'm an advocate for counseling. I'm an advocate for um, normalizing 
mental health, you know, in the same way that we normalize physical health. So right. I just wanted to mention that. It's super important. We we advocate so often for physical health. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a huge connection with physical and mental health. You know, a lot of times our physical health goes down because we have issues related to our mental health. We are not taking care of ourselves mentally. And so we're having these physical reactions. Mm-hmm. So they all go along with one another. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, physical and mental are tied. Yes, y'all. they are. And we are spiritual beings. So even in that Taking care of your spiritual, right. you know, well-being too. We're all, um, it's all connected. It's all connected. It really is. So, Monica, for my next question, we are both um, black women, women of color. So, in this National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, how does mental health impact women of color? I talked a little bit about my experience Um but uh, how does it affect us, particularly as African-American women, women, especially within the context of society, taking care of family and community and any past trauma that we may have experienced in our community? Yeah, um, that's a huge subject. You know, um, 90% of the um, people that I see in my office are African-American women. And, you know, we are just known to be um, super women, the hero. We want to wear every hat. Um, there is to wear every hat in our closet, and we want to wear them all at the same time. Mm-hmm. We want to be successful in our careers, raise families, um, take care of everyone. Um, and then at the last minute, who do we think about? We think about ourselves. And so I think that has a huge impact on us because we are um, we're we're automatically nurturers. And we are usually the last people that we take care of. And so um, when I think, uh, when, I, when I sit back and I talk to the women that I work with, you know, um, nothing uh, makes me uh, more sad. And I'm just going to really be honest with this situation, mm-hmm. is to see us um, as African-American women who are exceeding in life, but yet we are empty. You know, because, you know, what happens is what we do is um, we neglect the things that we've experienced in life. And we think the way out of that sometimes is through education and staying busy and having families and going on brunches and having friends. And and we neglect the issues of our past. And, you know, we get to our careers. And then life kind of, you know, sometimes life slows down because we're no longer studying. We're not, and then we realize like, oh, crap, I done did all of this and I don't, I'm not even happy. Whew. I'm not even happy. You know, and I have, you know, being in the area that my office is in, you know, I have women who are um, engineers because I'm out in that um, NASA area and women who have worked hard um, to become engineers or even lawyers or doctors. And they are so empty. And it's because we have um, neglected our past traumas through education sometimes, um, through excelling, thinking this is our way out the door. Um, This is our way out of, you know, the past that we've experienced in life. And yes, it does take us to another level. But when we repress those issues that we have 
for years and years, and then now they're back in our faces. We don't know how to handle them, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, as um, African American women, you know, I tell you can. Ex- I, I want to see you do everything your heart desires, but I also want you to take care of your mental health. Yeah, I, I want you to um, not sit there um, and reach and reach all of those goals that you want to reach, but realize those issues from your past um, still are going to bubble up one day. Mm. Those issues you refuse to address, you know, um, those things you um, refuse to forgive, you know, um, that that hurt. Um, It all comes back up, you know, and um, we are not um, we are not addressing them appropriately. And so that's the reason why we have um, those times, you know, women um, who are um, African-American women were having issues with depression and anxiety. Um, Not that no one else is having those issues, but it's more um, is more prevalent um, for us. It's, you know, it's a two to one ratio for African-American women than men to um, have issues with um, depression and anxiety. Wow. That's something I think this is this is so important for us to know, because sometimes we can feel like it's just us or we don't want to talk about it or we're so successful in our careers like this shouldn't be happening to me. And especially um, having the superwoman mentality. Like, I know that was me. Um, and as I mentioned to you guys, especially in grad school, I had, that's how I felt. Like, I was staying busy and then right. those things. But it's like in your quiet times, especially in that transition from grad school to being a full-time working person, woman, African-American woman, dealing with stuff in the workplace, as right. we know, um, it starts creeping up and bubbling up. And I remember... One of the things that helped me in that time, even though I felt isolated once I started on the path to um, healing and being healthy and whole was journaling and like breaking like those things were bubbling up. I think about a vivid example of relationships. And one of the things that I had to realize from my childhood was literally just because like a person of the opposite sex Uh, is friendly to you or kind to you doesn't mean that they like you in a romantic way. And that was one, that's just one like example of something that I had to break because every time I would have like an interaction with a person of the opposite sex that was like around my age, I'm like, oh, they must like me, like me or Mm -hmm. vice versa. Like I have to like them, like them, but it's not like that. Just because somebody's nice to you or friendly to you, that means that they can literally just be a friend. It doesn't mean that it has to evolve into a romantic right. type of love or relationship. And that's something I literally had to break. And it's changed my life and how I handle relationships, especially with the opposite sex. And that came through, you know, the struggle, through the struggles. Uh, ha- but those things bubbled back, like they bubbled up. And they came back, but I had to work my way through it. And I remember writing it down and like that helped me in my path to like healing, happiness and wholeness. But you're right. When you start getting in that routine of eight to five, nine to five and you got extra free time, some stuff starts creeping back in and um, it has to be addressed. 
journaling is a great way um, to um, address some of the issues that you're having, some of the thoughts that you're having. Um, everyone doesn't like journaling, though. Um, some of yeah. my some <laughs> of my clients can't keep up with journaling, um, but it is it is one of the um, best ways to say um, and get out everything that you're feeling, you know, because um, one thing you talked about is that isolation. And, you know, isolation is a huge trap for us. It's that one thing that makes us feel like um, like uh, we are the only people right now experiencing this. And I promise you, you're not. I promise you um, the stories that I hear are not too different um, from session to session. There are um, women who are struggling with the exact same things that you are. And um, and I think that's where uh, women um, get it uh, messed up. We think that we're the only ones or, or we don't want to acknowledge the fact that we are um, because we don't want people to judge us. We want people to think we are that super one. We, we want to be that superwoman. We want to continue to keep our cape on. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, yeah, and I know, so I know that your area, one of, one of your areas of expertise is with African-American yes. women. So I just wanted to give our listeners that context, like mm-hmm. why we're talking about this and even firsthand experiences as professional working women. Right. Um, and, you know, with you owning your own business and I have my own business, like I, I that's kind of why we're, you know, setting in this place. But I do just want to take a moment to acknowledge our black men. Yes. And how they can support black women since there is a two to one ratio. And then also some of the traumas that are happening with black men. Um, I'm sure a lot of people by now have seen when they see us, uh, yes. the Netflix uh, docuseries or I don't know if you would call it a docuseries, but it's a Netflix special uh, by Ava DuVernay. And if you have not watched it, even if it may be tough, it's important because if we don't know our past, we're definitely um, positioning ourselves to repeat the future. And so I think it's worth it to know how to navigate these things in the world. So Monica, if you would just kind of touch on how black women can support Black men, uh, black men can support black women, even vice versa. And um, culturally, outside of just being a black person, what we can do as a society to support one another in our individual um, and communal mental health needs. Yeah. You know, um, even though statistics talk about um, women, the ratio of two to one, um, they talk about also um, that this could possibly be because um, African-American men do not um, often talk about the issues that they have, you know, as it relates to mental health. So the um, even though the statistics are two to one, um, there is a disparity because um, oftentimes men do not seek help, whether it be physical and or mental. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, underreported. It's underreported because um, there's also a statistic that African-American men are four times more likely to commit suicide than African-American women. And so um, a lot of times um, that number is different because um, when men commit suicide, they often do um, more um, harsh things that that end their lives quicker than women would. Um, but, you know, men, um, a lot of the issues that they have, a lot of the depression and things they have is, it, um, we call it covert depression. You know, um, they um, hide their depression in some of their behaviors that they have, whether it's drinking or, um, or sex or, you know, um, um, just 
you know, um, sometimes they, they hide their depression in those things. And so it's very difficult to tell when men are depressed um, because they're not um, as overly um I don't want to say women are always overly emotional because we're not, but we sometimes tend to be mm-hmm. and men are not. Mm-hmm. And what about um, other like races and different things like that? It's like how maybe it could be just as simple as showing up. Like if there is a, a mental health awareness month or event for another culture, maybe it's just showing right. up and educating ourselves, you right. know, especially I know as African-Americans, we're like, it's not my job to educate you on us, you mm-hmm. know, and maybe I think about myself in blackish. I love blackish. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about this a lot of times, too, how we can or I can be ignorant, uh-huh. you know, and uh-huh. not know about other cultures and races and what they're dealing with from a mental health perspective and others. So, you know what, um, while you were, um, talking about going out and educating, um, it made me think of the, um, of the series that is on, um, NAMI.org. One of the places they had an African-American man, um, he actually, um, goes out and educate men on mental health at the barbershop. Oh, wow. I love it. (laughs) so one of the series, um, that, um, that's on the website, he's actually having a talk about mental health at the barbershop. And I thought that was the, the greatest way, um, to reach out to men, um, because, you know, they go to the barbershop and just like, you know, when we go to the beauty shop, you know, it's the, um, it's the time to talk and talk about everything that's going on. But when do we address mental health? And I just thought that was a um, good idea. We do have to get out and educate, um, others. Um, we have to educate other communities about how to serve our population as well. Um, and learn how to um, be culturally competent when, as it relates to um, to uh, mental health in our community. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Now, there is hope, which is yes. what I'm so grateful for. And I know um, faith and spirituality is uh, a pathway for hope for so many people. Yes. It is for me. Um, Jesus Christ, God, is my Lord and Savior, and is really the impetus of why I started Christ Over Culture. Um, I was about 24 at the time when this idea came to me, and I had mentioned to you guys like that transition between grad school and working full-time. I think I was like 23, Mm -hmm. 24 at the time. Um, That is when I went through a lot of the struggles that I've described, and 24 was when I really started to grow in my relationship with Christ. And I literally, to get out of that state of depression and those doubts and fears, and sometimes we we can be our biggest critic and our biggest enemy, and that's what I found with myself, was I was literally beating myself up for things I hadn't accomplished from a degree for, uh, degree-wise or professionally, um, even though I had, you know, great success, it wasn't what I had always envisioned. And I was beating myself up. Yeah, it wasn't on my timeline. And I was beating myself up about that. And so Christ over culture was something I had to live. I literally had to speak the word of God over my life in every doubt, fear, like, thought of depression, anything that was against the will of God, I literally had to tear it down with the word of God. And so I had to dive into the word And that's where Christ over culture came up about like society tells us, parents tell us what we should, we shouldn't be doing. We tell ourselves what we should and shouldn't be doing by a certain time frame. But really it's God's plan and purpose for our lives that should be the the compass. And so that's where Christ over culture came about for me. And so Monica, from your perspective, I'm curious to know what role 
does faith and spirituality in Jesus Christ play in our journey through mental health? You know, um, I think that, um, um, you know, faith and spirituality is um, a huge piece um, in not only in our culture, but in our lives. Um, I grew up in church. Um, my father's a pastor. Um, my parents actually met in Sunday school, so I've been um, going to church all my life. Um, so when um, when this thought of therapy um, and being a therapist came up, sometimes, um, um, you know, there was questions about, um, you know, well, why do we need to go to therapy? And and I really want to say that I think that um, I, I really, um, I'm, I'm going to address this. I think that um, one of the main um, problems with uh, mental health in the African-American community is that um, we have... Um, that we have allowed faith and spirituality to um, to um, make us think that we do not need to go to therapy, um, and so I really say that again. We have allowed faith and spirituality to make us think we do not need to go to therapy, make us think we do not need to seek help. You know. Um, and so I really want to address that because uh, when 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 you told me you were going to ask me that question, I, I kind of um, I was like, okay, what do I do? I really want to say this, but I do. Dive in. I really think that um, faith and spirituality is one of our biggest stigmas in the African American community as it relates to mental health, and I really think that it has hindered us from obtaining and seeking the help that we need within our community um, because, you know, nothing is more important, like I said, to me as as faith. I, I do not believe that um, I would be where I am today had it not been for faith, faith spirituality, and my foundation in the church. Um, and so it, it really blows my mind. And I, um, I was um, telling one of my really good friends the other day, it's so um, crazy to me how um, my foundation and mental health are connecting um, where I'm being invited to churches and everything to talk about mental health because, you know, growing up, we never had talks about mental health at church. We never, you know, if somebody um, acted out in church, you know, we would, um, they would pray for them, you know, they would, you know, nobody would really talk about what exactly, you know, it's it's already, it's a demon, you know, yeah. automatically it's a demon. Or they're and, crazy, or we label them as uh, crazy, crazy, or uh -huh. it's just like, don't, you know, don't worry don't, about don't, them. Don't just, talk to them. Yeah, just don't talk to don't them. Keep it moving. Yep. And, you know, um, and I think faith and spirituality, like I said, has been one of our biggest stigmas. So it's really time for the church. It is really time for pastors. It is really time for leaders in the church to learn more about mental health and how to advocate for mental health within um, within their churches, within um, the communities in which their churches are in. Because, you know, you can't tell me that, um, that um, God does not want us to seek counsel. You can't. You can't tell you can't tell me that. You cannot tell me um that God did not put um mental health specialists and therapists here um and wants us to just live on prayer and um and Bible study and and services on Sunday. Cause if we did, we would 
be able to take care of ourselves from a health health standpoint, like a physical health standpoint. Exactly. You wouldn't need to get your physical. We wouldn't. I'm telling you, we wouldn't need to pray and work to have the money and the finances to do the things that we're supposed to do. We could just pray and money pops up. Right. And I'm not saying we wouldn't have to work. We wouldn't have to we work. We wouldn't have to work. You know, and and so you know, um, and so we have to stop at the church. That's we have we have we have to stop at the church mm-hmm. making people think that um, when it comes to mental health, we can just pray it away. I believe in prayer. Yeah, I believe in God. <laughs> um, I'm telling you, um, I'm always praying. It's always something. <laughs> yeah. It is always something. You know, my uh, my nerves gets the best of me. And um, I'm always praying, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes, um, you know, I I have to remind myself that there is a connection um, with prayer and therapy. You know, um, you can call on Jesus and you can call your therapist, too. And so we have to get to the point where we're connecting um, faith and spirituality and mental health um, counseling because it's necessary um, not only for ourselves but for our people and so the pastors that are out there um, you guys need to start calling in mental health therapists to teach your leaders how to um, work with people um, who come to your church that have mental health issues there's some great churches out here who already have counseling teams um, and and it's not the pastor and, and I'm not I'm not saying that pastors can't counsel because we have some highly educated pastors out here. But let me tell you something. Some of these things that the people are going through as a pastor, you shouldn't even, you probably just don't even want to know. You probably should have some somebody on your team who is there to actually talk um, to your um, to your members of your church who are having issues with mental health. Yeah. It's time, it's, it's time to connect the dots between um, faith, spirituality, and mental health. I love that. I remember going to a conference, I think a couple <laughs> I remember going to a conference a couple years ago in Dallas and uh that was that was it. They had like leaders from different churches mm-hmm. come and talk about just what you said, the connection between faith, spirituality, and mental health and, right. and getting professional help and counseling and right. having those embedded in the church. Right. Like a lot of you know, we say the church the church is a hospital, it's for people, it's supposed to serve. And um that's a that's one area where we can do even more, right? You know, can. especially with um, our society today and people needing someone and and wise counsel, professional help to go to in a safe place in a safe environment and yeah, learn some coping skills. Yeah, how do I cope through these situations? What are some things that I do um, that's gonna help me in this process? That's what therapists do. We help you learn how to use the resources that's out here in the community, um, the skills that are needed to cope through tough times. And um, and so we can't, we have to stop getting super spiritual when it comes to mental health. We really do. I mean, we have to connect the dots that it's okay. Um, and that's the one thing. And I'm, I, I know I keep going back to the NAMI.org, but one of the videos, um, they actually have a lady who went to her pastor and um, has the pastor talking about how how um, she changed his thoughts about mental health um, because she was so open in her church. And once she opened up, 
um, so many other people began to open up um, about the issues in which they're dealing with at the church. Mm-hmm. And we have the power. Yeah. It's like, and that's something I've heard this before. I thought about it this morning, even before this podcast, when we are honest, open, transparent, we're able, we give per- people permission to do the same. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's key. Yeah, we do. We give people not only the permission to do the same, but then, um, you know, a lot of times we keep silent um, and people need to hear um, what we experience um, because it also can encourage them to keep going on as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Monica. So do you have any personal stories or testimonies that you like to share um, in terms of mental health or um, just even in your profession? You know, are there any... Uh, kind of personal stories or experiences that you've had that you like to share on the podcast? Well, you know, um, I I would like to talk about, you know, because um, so often people, some of my clients, they'll tell me, you know, um, when I'm trying to um, listen to them and probably give them examples of things that I've experienced, sometimes they think like, well, you know, you're a therapist, you know, you shouldn't have these problems, you know, you shouldn't, um, you know, how, well, how did you deal with it? And I just want people to know that therapists are regular people, you know, um, I too experience um, issues where I need to heal from. Um, things in which um, I need to um, forgive other people and move on with some um, with trauma that I've experienced in my life. And so um, I think that um, but the one thing that I think is that um, as a therapist, I've kind of changed my perspective about life, you know, um, whether it's a um, good time or a bad time or a bad season or a good season. I realize that my, my, my bad seasons are also supposed to teach me lessons in life. And so, um, you know, I have learned over the years to kind of just change my perspective, even when I am being a negative Nancy, because I can be a negative Nancy too, you know, and I'm like, you know what, this was a horrible day. And I'm like, really, Monica, a horrible day? The whole day was horrible. You try to tell me the whole day was horrible. And so sometimes I have to talk to myself too. And so, you know, um, changing our perspective, about things, changing our perspective, um, our outlook on situations that are occurring, asking ourselves, like, what do I need to learn from this situation? You know, um, I, 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 I mentioned that my father um, is a pastor and, you know, um, and, you know, we really don't have the greatest relationship, you know, and I'm and I sit there and I um, as I'm working and counseling people. I remind myself that I also have to build my relationship with him as well. You know, um, a lot of times um, growing up, my parents weren't were not married, and so um, I've had issues and struggled with um, things that um, you know, as it relates to church. Growing up in church, and my father being a pastor, and us not having a great relationship, and so over um, over time, I've had to learn how to still be open and have a relationship with him. So, you know, sometimes I sit across from my clients and I'm and I'm listening to this story and I'm looking like, girl, you don't even want to tell me this story because I don't think I can help you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But it has made me say to myself, you know what, I have to reach out. I have to, you know, um, we've gotten to the point now where um, where we make sure that we talk at least weekly. Um, and so um, I, too, have to work on things um, as a therapist, and I'm not exempt 
from life struggles. Um, and so we, we have to remember that. No one is, is exempt from life struggles, but it is how we cope with those life struggles um, that help us get through. Yeah, I just want to commend you. And I have a few friends who are therapists as yeah. well, just for the work that you do yeah. and the strength Thank you. Thank and the tenacity and the resilience. Because like you said, you are not exempt from life struggles either. And no, so no. Um, I think about like who takes care of the therapist, you know, and having those people and also having us just kind of, I guess, as the quote, general population cheering you all on, mm-hmm. you know, for the work that you guys do. So well, we have therapists too. Yeah, good. You know, yeah, and, I, and, and you know, I know. We, <laughs> we, we have therapists too. Yeah. You know, I, I have somebody on speed dial. Good. You know, I have to go, you know, and so sometimes, you know, um, people will see me out and, um, and um, I, my, my co, um, I, I also work for the state of Texas. So my mm-hmm. coworkers, they have this joke of, um, of how I stay to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do because when I am, um, when I'm not in therapy, I totally disconnect. I have this joke that like, mm, I'm not listening. And I'm not, you know, so I have to learn how to disconnect and not engage um, individuals sometimes because it's like, if not, if we don't learn how to do those things, we'll be counseling people all day. You know, you get in the Uber and somebody find out you're a therapist. Now on our ride to the airport, we got to hear about their life story for free. That's so real. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> for free. For Where free. is the invoice? I, I, do, I do have to leave. You yeah, know, I love helping people, yeah. but I have to take care of my, you yeah. know, Sally Mae. Everybody um, does. Navi and Sally Mae calls me often, so oh, you no. know, so I can't do everything for free. So I have to learn how to disconnect, and I have to learn how to take time for myself as well because I am, um, I'm probably a super um, workaholic as well. So it's important for me to be like, you know what? Nope. You know, next week my office is going to be closed for three days. Now my stomach is in a knot. I'm like, oh, my goodness, three days. What am I going to do? You know, but I'm like, you know what? It's my birthday weekend. This office is about to be closed for three days. I'm going to still eat and I'm going to still be okay. Yeah. Uh, And having those healthy. Yeah. We have to set those healthy boundaries. Boundaries. Those healthy boundaries. We do. And so, you know, um, you know, when you ask, is there, you know, a, a, a testament or a testimony, you know, um, I just keep going, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't stop. You know, there's I've experienced so many things, but sometimes I listen to other people's stories and it's nothing. And I have and I realize like, man, I haven't been through anything. What am I over here walloping about, you know? And so um, I just keep going. Yeah, that, that, that's my that's my testimony. Yeah. Keep going. Keep moving. Good days. Um, bad days, even our bad seasons are here to teach us something. Um, even when I think I'm losing, I'm winning. And and we have we have to get to that point in our lives. Awesome. Well, I think we're going to end on that note. If there are any, like, scriptures or things that kind of encourage you, you know, that you like to share, um, definitely share at this time. And please let us know where we can find you. Okay. Well, you know, um, I do have some favorite scriptures, you know, um, one of my um, one of the things that I often use, and um, when I'm going through, um, and I, you know, I think we all probably use it as Psalms 23. Yes, yeah, one of my favorite scriptures. Um, but also, um, I have to also remind myself about Ephesians 3 and 20. You know, uh, because. He can just do exceedingly and abundantly um, more than I can ever ask for, think 
um, that works through me mm-hmm. and it works through me. And I have to remind myself that even when it comes to mental health, we have to remind ourselves that it works through us. So that means I have to be doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to be doing something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and Like a vessel. Like yeah, we say- have to be doing something. We can't just, you know, it, it, it goes through us, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and um, one of my other um, scriptures that I use um, is Psalms 91. Verses one and two, but you know, that verse two where it talks about how he's our refuge. Um, and so I have to remind myself of those things. And it, and it also goes back to um, just changing our perspective about life. We have to get to the point of changing our perspective about life. We have to get to the point where we, when we have these irrational thoughts that said, like, today, a horrible day. This is a horrible season. The whole season horrible. The whole day was horrible. You telling me that out of 24 hours, there was not one thing, not one thing that happened that was good. And so we we sometimes try to awfulize things. And so scriptures are great and I use them, but I also have to learn how to change my perspective on things because everything ain't bad. Yeah. Everything ain't awful. Sometimes, you know, if a journal's not working, sometimes we need some gratitude journals. We need to sit down and start thinking about the good things that's going on in our lives when we're having these rough times. Yeah. Um, How to find me. Um, Of course, once again, my name is Monica E. Jackson, and I have to say that because there's more than one Monica Jackson that's a therapist in this area, but I am Monica E. Jackson. Um, My office is located at 1322 Space Park Drive. in Houston, Texas, but I'm off of 45 and NASA Road 1, but that's still the Houston area, guys. Um, I'm on Facebook. I win counseling services like us. I'm on Instagram at LPC underscore MEJ. And you can also email me. Um, I, I, I answer emails all the time. Uh, my email address is MEJ at IWinCounseling.com. And so, um, oh, and my phone number 713-389-8989. Like seven one three. Oh girl, did I forget my phone number? Seven one three That's my phone number. I was getting ready to give y'all my personal phone number, and I just can't do that. Like I, have doing to, I, have, I have to set boundaries. <laughs> right. I almost gave you guys my personal cell phone and number. And that just shows how, you know, much you care. Yeah. But you yeah. got to set But I, I have to set some boundaries yeah. before everybody be calling my cell phone all day. For free day services. Long. For free, free services. Yeah. You know, and, and before we close, I would like to say that, you know, there are resources out there for our community to receive therapy um, um, at an affordable rate. Um, I just would like to say that, you know, um, for those who do not work, you know, and you may be on Medicaid, Medicaid allows you to go to therapy. Um, For those who um, do work, but they can't afford their copay, sometimes our jobs have what's called the Employment Assistance Program, which allows us every year to get three to five sessions for free. Um, I used that. Yes. And then, you know, um, we have the Harris Center here in Houston that provides mental health care for the indigent population. Can't say it's free because it's based upon um, income, but they do have services. You know, Houston has a lot of services. There are no excuses to say that we cannot afford therapy. Um, There are people who work on sliding scales based upon your income. 
And so um, I joke about for free um, because, you know, a lot of times we do want things for free. Um, but there are there there's available access out here in the community for mental health. Um, and um, it's and in July. Find a therapist. You can go to Psychology Today to find one. You can go to um, um, Therapy for Black Girls and find one. You can go to Melanin and Mental Health and find one. There's so many different avenues out there for you to find a therapist that looks like you, um, who can understand you on um, the level in which you need them to. Awesome. Thank you, Thank you so Monica much E. Jackson of I Win Counseling <laughs> Services. This has been such a great talk. July is National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Spread the word. We love you, and we'll see you next time on Christ Over Culture. You can follow us on Instagram at Christ Over Culture. You can follow us on Twitter at Christ OV Culture. I love you guys, and I'll see you next time.